0: Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Nice Talks. Today, we're going to discuss substance misuse and addiction. We'll be looking at our guidelines on prevention activities and services available to people, and we'll also be hearing from topic experts about alcohol misuse and the support available. My first guest today is Professor Jane McCambridge. He's a professor of addictive behaviours and public health at the University of York hi jim thanks for joining me today Um, my first question is how is drug addiction treated are there any novel ways of treating addiction aside from what we already have
1: there are lots of ideas held about the nature of addiction and many of them would hold that there is a group of people who are different from other people who are prone to or liable to become addicted if they encounter particular substances or other behaviors that are dangerous to them such as gambling. Now um, the ways in which scientists use the concept of addiction are actually quite different. Uh, It's often the case that the concept of addiction is used as an umbrella term for the problems that go along with the use of different drugs or other other behaviours that, that, that are that have an addictive quality, such, such as gambling, and um, for these types of problems, if you like, uh, at the severe end, drugs may be involved in the treatment of addiction problems. Um, you know, most. Um, Commonly, perhaps, would be the prescription of methadone as a means uh, to help people who have problems with heroin or other drugs like it. Uh, Aside from the extreme end, you know, at the more severe end, um, problems exist along a spectrum and can be relatively trivial, such as having a hangover, you know, after drinking too much alcohol, um, right through to you know the patterns of use that interrupt daily functioning get in the way of relationships or work or other things that people hold dear right through to more kind of stereotypical ideas about the nature of addiction and for that entire spectrum the ways in which we treat or help people with these problems essentially involve talking to them and that's not as easy as it may sound, because having conversations about the use of different drugs exists within a culture in which it's not easy to talk about. You know if you think of illegal drugs being stigmatized and then also think about drugs like alcohol, and um, we we don't uh, live in a society. we don't have a culture that makes it easy for people to talk about their own drinking, particularly. When the drinking might be in any way embarrassing, or certainly, you know, in, in the context of healthcare settings, you know, our, our, our recurrent finding is that people have difficulty in just being honest in talking about the drinking or other drug use with doctors, nurses, and other healthcare professionals. So the first task uh, for anyone seeking to treat addiction or help people with problems of this kind is to create a climate in, in, in a discussion um, in which it's okay to talk about issues which may otherwise be difficult to talk about. Um, so conveying respect for people's autonomy to make their own decisions and offering help in thinking through whether any drugs, uh, whether they be legal or illegal, are impacting on people's lives or other things that they hold dear. Um, In a quite exploratory way, you know, these are difficult conversations to have. So often people have got muddled thinking. And the idea in in treating addiction through talking is that just having a conversation carefully um, implemented can help people to think about things slightly differently or see things in slightly new ways and just in the course of weighing up what's okay and what's not okay.
0: NICE guidance suggests skill training for children and young people who are vulnerable to drug misuse. What is the level of drug misuse in children and how else can we address this?
1: Okay so drug misuse amongst children and young people is a subject which arouses attention and concern in every generation or it certainly has done for at least 50 years or so. And, you know, there are good grounds for concern about patterns in drug misuse amongst children and, indeed, young people. But it it should not be overlooked that the most commonly used drugs uh, among children are are drugs that are are legal for adults to purchase, uh, and that is alcohol and nicotine. Uh, in recent times in the UK, there's been a lot of attention to novel psychoactive substances, new drugs that uh, are becoming available and, and you know seems increasingly widely used, such as spice. Um, and there are, there are a lot of harms that uh, follow on from using drugs like these, but often it is with new drugs that, their use tends to be concentrated in particular subpopulations. So the overall damage that the use of new drugs do is actually quite modest in comparison with older drugs that are more widely used. Um, you'd asked uh, me about skills training amongst vulnerable young people. Well, yeah, so that, that, that is a, a, a type of intervention which evidence suggests should be helpful in deterring young people from uh, doing dangerous things with drugs uh, that they're encountering. And the interventions such as skills training, work to sort of allow young people not only to rehearse and practise particular things that may be useful to them, so the kind of skills training element to them, but also in a more general motivational way, in that they offer opportunities for children and young people to think about what the issues are for them. You know, either in taking a drug that they haven't taken previously for the first time, or continuing to, to take a drug that they have some familiarity with. So there's you know, if you like a, a quite specific benefit that is possible. Evidence suggests with skills training, and then a more ge- a more general benefit that, that could be characterised as more motivational in nature.
0: In 2018, more people were killed by alcohol in the UK than road traffic accident. And alcohol is a harmful drug, but it's not always widely recognised as one. Why is it important that this changes?
1: Well, the answer to that is relatively straightforward, and that is that uh, you know, as you've recognised in the question, not only does alcohol uh, kill more people than uh, than, than die in, in car crashes, and alcohol is a big cause of car crashes. But the burden of alcohol to public health and to society more broadly is enormous. And every year, uh, alcohol kills across the world, around 3 million people. And so alcohol is an enormous problem to, um, to health. Um, it it is relevant or it causes people to die through things like cancer and other non-communicable diseases it's also um, highly relevant to communicable diseases such as tb or hiv you know the effects of alcohol will do damage to people's immune systems so people are drinking uh, more heavily and they get infections um, you know, which require strong immune responses. Alcohol makes it more difficult to survive the effects. Uh, so alcohol is a, you know,
2: an enormous
1: problem for public health and society. The, the, the sorts of measures that we know uh, that can be effective for other drugs apply also to alcohol so if we if we increase the price of alcohol, if we reduce its availability, you know if we reduce the the, the acceptability of very heavy drinking or, or or being drunk, these sorts of measures, evidence suggests, are our best bets, you know are our, you know are our most likely candidates to be effective in reducing the overall burden of alcohol problems within society.
0: My next guest today is Dr Tim Layton. He's a director of professional education research at the charity Action on Addiction.
2: What comes to my mind is this huge kind of split in the field between people who think that the only only way of dealing with a drug and alcohol problem is to get people to stop and then there's a whole other kind of area or approach that says well what we really need to do is to reduce drug-related and alcohol-related harm. And this is there's, there's quite a lot of hostility between those two camps that, that in, in the past they've tended to feel quite threatened by one another. Um, my own view is, is that we need all of this and we need bridges and connections between the different types of services because if you're using drugs and you're injecting, if you don't get access to needle and syringe programs well, you are going to use dirty syringes you're going to probably use someone else's syringe so the benefit of needle and syringe programs apart from anything else that many people think that it, that when they were implemented in the uk they saved the united kingdom from an hiv epidemic amongst injecting drug users well you know they keep people alive and they they also once you get people engaged in services to reduce harm then you can introduce them to other kinds of services that they might want to change uh, their drug use in other ways. So it's about connecting everything up that's really important, I think.
0: Do you think that these services are going to be affected massively by the current pandemic that's going on at the moment? How how should people react when you know, maybe they have somebody they're concerned about, but it's not as easily accessible?
2: Of course, I mean, the COVID epidemic is going to have huge, huge implications. It's got implications for services, I mean, our services are open and available, and people might not know that. There is a huge emphasis on safety. There are new procedures and processes going on about how people can access residential rehab and our day programs, but they are actually running. They've been changed a great deal. So things like family visits are now done with Skype with, um, you know, we're using a lot of video, a lot of online, social distancing, is, uh, of course. Uh, people who come into the programmes have to self-isolate for a period before admission. And, you know, I can't go into details, but the, there is a huge emphasis on safety. And, you know, people might know, they might might not know that. They might think that um, everything's shut. although so there are huge um, implications. There are disruptions to drug supplies uh, so people can't necessarily get the drugs that they want to use so easily. So it is—it's every single aspect of it is 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 um, being affected. Also, um, the new evidence shows that people are increasing their drinking. There's certainly um, opportunities to do online gambling, which is an addiction problem that's increasing in its importance. And um, you know. On the other hand if you can't get your drugs or you can't get your alcohol it might put you into a position where you get desperate and when people get desperate one of the choices they can make is to change and to seek help and to try and get out of the problem they've got so it's affecting in many different ways mostly negative some some positive and certainly if somebody is thinking about getting help uh you know our services action on addiction services are definitely available We've got people on the end of phones who can help you, people on the other end of of a Skype call that can help you sort out what you need. So, you know, things are carrying on.
0: For listening to this episode of Nice Talks, we hope you enjoyed listening. And if you'd like any more advice or any more information, please visit actiononaddiction.org.uk. We'll also be posting links to our guidance on addiction and alcohol misuse. Thanks again for listening and stay safe. Until next time.